songs that we sing, uh, we are reminded of our, our purpose, our passion, our mission as a church, um, and it's pretty simple uh, to know Christ and to make Him known. And uh, even in that last song, just getting to sing those words, I want to know you more, that idea, that's why we're here, but then to make Him known. One of the primary attributes of our God is love. And uh, that's been evident as we've worked our way through Paul's letter to the Galatians. And, uh, and in this idea that the primary attribute of our God is love, we're meant to, to share that same attribute, that same character quality with the world around us, being Jesus. And, and a primary attribute, according to the list of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians, is love. And so as we've moved into this last chapter in Galatians 6... Uh, there are some directives that we are given about how we are to show love to one another, to others around us. And last week we looked at that very first verse that one of the ways we show love is by those who are overtaken in sin. We go to them, we stoop, and we help to restore them, to make them useful again uh, to Jesus. And uh, this week we move forward in chapter 6, verses 2 through 5, and our call to love here is this. It's pretty simple. It's to bear one another's burdens. And so if you'll follow along with me, Galatians 6, I'm going to start in verse 2. We're going to read 2 through 5. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks that he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. Father, we ask now for your gracious blessing as we consider these truths today. Not just that we will understand them, but God, we would do them. That we would be a people who, like our Savior, bear the burdens of others. God, help us as we consider these truths today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, I, I mentioned that famous story that Jesus gives of the Good Samaritan and how he was asked there in Luke 10, uh, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And he said, you got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. He said, love your neighbor. And then the guy said, well, who's my neighbor? And Jesus moves immediately into the story of the Good Samaritan where he tells about the man who was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell amongst robbers and they beat him up and they left him half dead in the ditch. And then there was a priest who came by. And instead of stopping to help the man, which we would assume a priest would do, he moves to the other side of the road and passes by. And then there is a Levite who comes by and sees the man 
hurting, overtaken, dying in a ditch, and Levite of the, the priestly tribe of Israel, surely he will stop and help, and he does not, and he moves to the other side of the road. And finally, there is a Samaritan, uh, one of the sworn enemies of the Jewish people, and he sees this individual hurting, and he goes to him. And he binds up his wounds and he puts him on his animal and takes him to the next town, pays for his care, promises to pay for additional care if it's required. And Jesus said, who then is his neighbor? <laughs> it's the good Samaritan. The good Samaritan who in this story, as we talked about it last week, was a restorer of this one who had been overtaken. This week we're going to transition that just a little bit and tweak it and talk about how that good Samaritan was a burden bearer for this man who had been overtaken. So that's what verse 2 calls upon us to do. As followers of Jesus, we're to help others in need. The command couldn't be more clear. It just simply says, bear one another's burdens. It's the main point that drives us. But what does it mean to bear another person's burden? What, what does Paul mean even by the word burden? Uh, this, this word that we translate burden is a Greek word, baros. And that'll, that'll become more important a little bit later. Uh, but the word uh, describes a heavy load that is difficult to lift. A heavy load that is difficult to carry. If I were to ask you uh, to come up here and help me uh, bear the burden of my Bible uh, back into my office, you get one side, I'll get the other, you would think, what a, what a wimp. Uh, he can bear his own Bible. It's, it's not heavy at all. Uh, but if I was to ask you, come help me bear the burden of this steel pulpit, I could lift it on my own, but I'm old enough to know that that will hurt me. And so it would help to have an extra hand to bear the baros, the burden of this. Baros, something heavy, not baros, something not heavy like a Bible. That's the idea that he gets, we get from this text. Life in a fallen and broken world presents us all with many burdens that are too great for us to bear alone. Many different sets of circumstances that come into our lives as individuals, as, as families, as communities. In the immediate context that we looked at just last week and kind of built into in verse 1, we discussed the burden of overwhelming temptation and sin. The, the, the burden of restoring broken sinners. Um, and I wonder and I hope that maybe some of you this week had an opportunity to be a burden bearer and to step into somebody else's life who was struggling under the weight of temptation and sin and you were able to, with gentleness, like we talked about last week, restore them. Be on the lookout for that. That's what we're called to do is look for those whose burdens need Baron. Let me give you another example of burden bearing. Just this, this last uh, Thursday, uh, my family was able to travel back to Oklahoma for a couple of days so the cousins can play together and spread diseases amongst themselves, which they did. That's why my kids are not here today. But Thursday night, uh, me and Faith were able to have dinner with uh, my friends Eric and Kim and uh, a couple of other friends and my brother and sister came as well, but Eric and Kim, you may remember just three weeks ago, they lost their 14-year-old daughter. She was born with significant 
health challenges and quite honestly didn't expect her to live that long. Eric and Kim are undergoing a deal of grief right now, a burden of grief that they cannot bear alone. And it was a joy to be able to sit with them and visit with them and hear from them and talk with them and pray with them. And I'm not just simply saying I'm not the, the sole burden bearer in their life. They have a church family around them. They have family that's surrounding them that are there to help them walk through the difficult road ahead of grief, which many of you have walked before. Those we know who may be suffering physically, their sickness and they're bearing a burden that may be too great for them. They need others to come alongside them and to encourage them as they walk through these difficult roads. You know, the members that we're praying for this week are Michael and Liz Brand. We're praying for Michael and Liz. Liz has been undergoing an incredible burden for the last nearly year and a half now. And she needs not just Michael to help bear that burden. She needs us as her church family to come alongside and help bear the burden of the physical difficulties that she faces every day. How about the burdens that others face emotionally? Moving through difficult seasons of life and weighed down by maybe it's anxieties that have been placed on them because of failing relationships, because of struggles at the workplace, uh, because of uh, the, the, the things that can often cause us to worry and be overcome with fear and depression. I, I think of the story that we've, we've shared multiple times recently of Elijah who, who had uh, this mighty mountaintop experience of defeating all of the prophets of Baal, but then immediately Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you by morning. And what does he do? He runs away. Emotionally, he's been defeated. But what does God do? He helps bear the burden. God brings food to Elijah to eat. God gives Elijah space to sleep. God comes to Elijah and speaks to him with gentleness and a still small voice reassuring him in his emotional turmoil. Bearing loads for one another that are too great. I, I appreciated these words that I came across in studying and it's by a, a scholar named Betts. But I appreciated the honesty in this. He says that the maxim, bear one another's burdens, as Paul uses it here, it means that failure by Christians should be regarded as part of the burden of life and should be shared and borne by the Christian community. The honesty that I appreciated in that is failure is an option. <laughs> failure is the reality for us as followers of Jesus. And we don't have to bear that burden of being failures alone. We bear that together as a community of Christ's followers, pointing each other back to Jesus, gently restoring each other back to Christ. When the burdens of life become simple, he goes on to write, simply unbearable for any member of the community, the others, if they're truly spiritual, will lighten his or her load by sharing his or her burdens and thus enabling them to stand. They will do so sympathetically and gladly and not by compulsion. Mm. Bear one another's burdens. And then Paul makes a, a remarkable claim when he writes that when we stoop to help bear the burdens of others, we fulfill the law of Christ. Well, what is he talking about there? 
It's very interesting that, that for those of you who have been here for the duration of this study, that the, the entirety of the book of Galatians has been about our inability to fulfill the law. And that we cannot keep the Mosaic law. It's not possible. But now he says, if you do this, you can fulfill the law. But he says the law of Christ. So what is the law of Christ? Simply put, it's one word. It's love. And we could prove that by going to, to where they asked Jesus, hey, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. The law of Christ is love, and love says this, you before me. Love puts your needs, your interests above my needs and my interests. That's what love does. It's a love that is exemplified in the life and the death of Jesus himself. To this point, uh, author Tim Keller writes this. He says, though the whole Old Testament law could be summed up in the command to love, it is Christ's life and death that becomes the supreme embodiment of what this love should be. We look to Jesus, who said this to his disciples, a new commandment I give to you. Love one another just as I have loved you. So when we stoop to help another pick up their burden, whatever form it may take, we are being obedient to the command of Jesus to love one another. But more importantly, we're being like Jesus. And, and the person we're helping and the observers who are around us watching us stoop to help, they, they don't see us, they see Christ. They see His love being displayed in this broken world. They see love and joy and peace and patience and all that fruit that's meant to display His glory and His character. In 2 Corinthians 7, Paul actually provides a, a very personal example of burden bearing. And I just wanted to share these verses with you. He says this, For, for when we were, came to Macedonia, he writes that our bodies had no rest. We were afflicted at every turn. We were fighting without and fear within. Paul says we were done. Physically, we were exhausted. Emotionally, spiritually, we were exhausted. And here's what he writes. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. By the coming of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted by you and he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced still the more. There's two pieces to this. Paul says we were, we were overwhelmed with this burden, but God sent Titus, another helper, <laughs> another person to come and help in the ministry and engage. But it wasn't just the coming of Titus. It was the message that Titus brought. The message that Titus brought was that the Corinthians, they were mourning for Paul. They were zealous for Paul. And Paul says, this caused me to rejoice. My burden became light. Bearing one another's burdens. Whose burdens do you need to bear? 
Who are the people in your life and around your life that you need to stoop down and help? How do we do that? I just want to give you a few things. There's, there's a number of things we could do, but one of the main things we can do is pray. I mean, sincerely, genuinely pray. It's not the kind of prayer that says, hey, I'll pray for you, and then you don't really follow through with that. That may encourage them for a moment. Oh, somebody's going to be thinking about me. But it's the prayer that matters the most, interceding on their behalf and asking God to be the comfort to them in their time of need. You can encourage them with Scripture, take them to God's Word and show them promises about His unfailing love for them. Helping them walk through grief by reminding them the hope that we have in Jesus Christ in this life and beyond this life. You can encourage them even sometimes with your own story. I love this verse that we find in, in 1 Corinthians 1, like 3 and 4. It says uh, that the, the God of comfort may comfort you. And, and then when you are comforted by him, you can then comfort others who have walked through that same situation with the comfort that you've received from God. We can share in their life and maybe their experience if it's something we've walked through before. Maybe it's helping them with a project. Helping them move. Helping them mow. Helping with a meal a ride, maybe financial assistance. I can think of many times in the history of my own family when finances were very tight and a check would randomly show up from like mom and dad over here or some other family and that burden would just be lifted or we'd open the front door and there'd be a bag of groceries just sitting there on the porch that somebody probably in the church had dropped by. Burden lifted in those moments. The primary command is to bear one another's burdens, but let's consider Paul's next point as well. Verse 3 and 4, he says this, watch your pride. Watch your pride. This idea of pride seems to be a consistent theme as we've worked through Paul's letter to the Galatians. The, the truth is that we all know too well is that pride can sneak up on us even when we're attempting to do something good. E even when we move into a situation with the best of intentions, pride oftentimes gets its claws in there. And so Paul warns us here, if anyone thinks he's something when he is nothing, then he deceives himself. In Luke 18, Jesus shares this telling parable says, he also told the parable to some who trusted in themselves, what we're dealing with right here, that they were righteous. And he says, two men went up into the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. And the Pharisee was standing by himself and he prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. And can you see him just smugly pointing? He says, I fast twice a week. I give tithes to all that I get. But the tax collector who was standing far away would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, Jesus says, this man went down to his house justified 
rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus' point in the parable isn't that we tend to be like the humble tax collector. His point in the parable is we tend to be like this Pharisee who sees ourselves better than other persons, looking down on them. One commentator summarizes Paul's point this way. He says, Paul implies that those who imagine themselves to be somebody are unable to bear the burdens of others. They fancy themselves to be without sin or weakness, and they're unable to sympathize with others or to concern themselves with their burdens. Conversely, they're more likely to treat others with gentleness and humility if they feel their own weakness. You know, pride can present itself in a couple of different ways, so it can present itself in many different ways. I just want to share a couple with you. The pride of self-delusion. That's the pride of the Pharisee in Jesus' parable. He deluded himself into thinking that he was righteous because of the things that he did, because of the works that he performed. He deluded himself into thinking that he was better than other people because of the things that he did. He didn't see his weakness. He didn't see his sin. And verse 4 in Galatians addresses this pride. Let each one test his own work. And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. It's not about comparing ourselves. I believe Paul's instruction here in verse 4 is a bit tongue-in-cheek for Paul because when we truly, honestly focus on our work or our works, we begin to note very clearly, there's a log in my eye. And here I am now concerned with the, the dust in someone else's eye. A far greater problem exists in me than in them. And then even if we do recognize a superior morality in ourselves, comparing ourselves to somebody else, do we have room to boast in our own goodness? We do not. Because it's only the goodness of God at work in us Scripture is clear time and time again that all boasting must be in Jesus. 2 Corinthians 10, 17. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Never in your works. Never in your righteousness. But in the righteousness of Jesus. There's a pride of self-delusion that oftentimes leads us to not bear the burdens of others. There's a pride of selfishness that just simply refuses to stop and help. Because now I have to take my time. Now I have to use my resources. Do you hear the selfishness in our justifications? It's, it's my time, my resources to help this individual. Here we find ourselves mirroring and mimicking the priest and the Levite in the story of the Good Samaritan. I don't have time to stop and help this person. I don't have time to bear their burden. I've got somewhere to be, somewhere to go. We don't want to be inconvenienced by the burdens of others. If we want to crank it up a notch, there's a pride that I thought of as well. I'll just call this the pride of Jonah. 
We just don't like those people very much. Jonah didn't go to Nineveh because he hated those people. And he didn't want God to show mercy to them. He didn't want to go and bear any burden for those people. And then, even after he did go and he preached the message and they repented, he sadistically waited outside of the city for God to rain down fire and judgment on the people that he hated. Sometimes we don't bear others' burdens because we just don't like them. And hate is the opposite of love. Mm. Paul's final point, which at first glance can seem a bit contradictory. Bear your own burden. So he starts by saying, bear one another's burdens, and then he ends by saying, bear your own burden. So Paul, which is it? Paul loves to do these things to us, doesn't he? Loves to try to confuse us. It's both. We already pointed out that the word used in verse 2, here's why I gave the word, is baros. Well, the word he uses here in verse 5 is the word portion or fortion. Uh, this word doesn't refer to a heavy load like a pulpit. It refers to a light load like a backpack. The load that God has given you to bear in your life. It doesn't contradict, it complements Listen again as Keller describes this. He says, how can we possibly carry each other's burdens when each should carry his own load? Because load is not the same as burdens. The Greek word translated burdens means a heavy weight, but the different Greek word translated load refers to a kind of backpack. Verse 5 means that God has given each of us a different set of weaknesses, a different set of gifts, responsibilities that we have before God. We're not all the same in this regard. Recently, we have commented on this text in John 21 where Jesus meets Peter on the seashore. And he asks him the question, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he asks it three times. And we've, we've talked about the gentleness of Jesus in that moment in restoring Peter. Peter had denied him three times. And so he asks him three times and then commands him three times to feed his sheep. But as they walk along and after they have that exchange, Jesus gives Peter a little insight into his own death and what he will face in the coming years ahead. And while Peter is listening to this, and I love this play out, you can read this on your own later, because John is the writer of the gospel, and John is following behind Peter and Jesus as they have this conversation. And Peter looks behind him and says, well, what about that guy? What's going to happen to him? And Jesus just simply says, if I choose to allow him to stay until the kingdom comes, what is that to you? Jesus effectively says to Peter, Peter, bear your own load. Stay in your own lane on this one. Focus on the responsibilities that I have given to you. It's our own conduct and performance that each person should concentrate on, not the conduct and the performance of others. We're to engage in self-assessment, not critical evaluation of other people. One of those is more fun than the other. 
one of those comes easier than the other. Hmm. Scripture is clear that we will all give an account for how we carried the load that Jesus gave to us. What we did with the gifts he gave to us. How we handled the load and the circumstances of life that he brought to us. But while you bear your own load, humbly following Jesus, you must be on the lookout for others who have been overwhelmed by sin, overwhelmed by suffering, who you can stoop and help carry their burden. We could put it this way. Part of your load that Jesus has given to you is to bear the burdens of others. To be ready to step into the life of another struggler and help them carry those loads, not in judgment, but in love. That's the command that we find here. How do we do it? Let me start where we ended uh, with just some practical questions to consider. What load has Jesus given to you? What are the particular gifts that he's given you? How are you using those gifts for the benefit of others? What particular weaknesses has he placed in your life? We're not all going to be strong in every area of life. That's not what we're ever called to try to attain to. How are you handling those weaknesses in your life? What other responsibilities has God given to you? Maybe it's the responsibility of being a part of a family. You have a certain role to play in your family. You have certain service that you need to give to your family. It's part of being a church and a member of a church and a church family that we're, we're called to fulfill particular roles and use our gifts. And in this, God doesn't demand perfection of us. Friends, that's why Jesus came. But He does want us to be faithful in growing and using the things that He's given to us. Second question I want you to consider. Has pride clouded your view of others? Do you see yourself as better than other people? I'm not just talking about the people who are sitting in the room around you today. I'm talking about the people that you may interact with on social media that are halfway around the world. Do you see yourself as better? Are you boasting in your own goodness and your own works? Do you have prejudices against other people? Do you not have time for other people? Do you view other people as obstacles rather than opportunities? If you find yourself often annoyed at the needs of other people, then something's off. Something's wrong in our heart. Has pride clouded your view of yourself? We're in America, right? We'll get it done ourselves. There's a pride in that. There's a pride that refuses to let other people help you in bearing your burden. There's a pride that says, oh, you don't need to ask for prayer for that. There's a pride that says, you don't need to confess that sin and invite other people into your struggle. It's pride. It's arrogance. It's the opposite of what we're called 
to be. Number four, who do you need to stoop down and help with their burdens? And how can you practically do that? Maybe it's somebody in this room today. You were made aware of something going on in their life and you can be a help to them. Somebody in your family, it's a, it's a neighbor, it's a coworker. But there's something you can do to help bear the particular burdens that those people are going through. The gospel teaches us to bear burdens. We've been working through the Ten Commandments in our catechism. And with every one that we've worked through over the last four weeks, I've failed. You've failed. We cannot keep the law, but what did God do? He sent Jesus to bear the burden of the law. And Jesus bore the entirety of the burden of the Mosaic law in perfection for you and for me. And then he went to the cross. And you remember there in the garden where he seems not himself. He seems extra emotional and erratic and maybe somewhat out of control and he's, he's sweating and he's praying, Father, if at all possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. And he prays it again and he prays it again. And then hours later, he's on the cross. What was the cup that he wanted to pass? What was the cup that he ultimately took and drank? It was the burden of our sin. He takes our sin upon himself. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He who knew no sin became sin. He takes the burden of our sin upon himself. He takes the burden of death. We will never experience as followers of Jesus the pain of death that others have experienced because Jesus has taken its sting. Jesus took the true burden of death away from us and He even now continues to bear our burdens as He intercedes for us. Right now, He's interceding for all of us at the right hand of the Father. Whatever you're facing today, whatever's coming this week, as the song says, He is ever interceding for us, bearing those particular burdens. So as we could say really every week, we need to be like Jesus, the ultimate burden bearer of the law, of sin, of death, of our suffering and difficulty. Be more like Christ as we interact with the world around us. Would you bow your head with me this morning?
if you're here today and you are under the burden of the law, if you're here today and you are guilty because you know you have not been perfect, you haven't been good enough, Friends, cry out to Jesus today because He longs to take that burden away. The Gospel teaches that He, he will give you His righteousness and He will take your sin. And that is why it is good news. He wants to bear that burden. That is a burden that I cannot bear that's a burden that no one in this room can bear. That's the burden that Jesus alone bears for us. And so if you find yourself here today under the weight of your sin, cry out today for mercy and He will, he will lift that burden. But for many of us who are here today, there are particular people that came to our minds. And some of them may be people that we've been avoiding because of pride and selfishness. And today, maybe the conviction of the Spirit is it's time to stoop and it's time to bear the burden. And I truly hope that there's some here today who maybe will just say, okay, I can't do it. You've been trying to. But maybe today you'll just humble yourself and ask for help. For prayer. For somebody to step into your life and just be an encouragement. Whatever it may be, I want to give you an opportunity now to pray. If you need to pray with somebody, if you have questions that you need answered, you can, you can come forward at this time and I will make sure to pair you up with somebody who would love to pray with you. Love to open up Scripture and encourage you. But let's take an opportunity together now and pray. Father, life in this fallen world is difficult and we make it all the more difficult because we're so boneheaded sometimes. Yet in your grace and mercy, you reach down time and time again. And you lift those burdens and you restore us. And God, we're asking you to do that again today. And God, we're asking that you use us to do that as well. That you help us to open our eyes and to see and to not move to the other side of the road, but to stop and to help. To, to, to display for the people that we love in this room and the people that we love outside of this room in our neighborhoods and in our, our places of employment to display the love of Jesus. The gracious burden bearing of Jesus to them. Not for our own boasting, not for our own benefit, God, but for, for your glory. Your glory and our good. Help us, God, to be ready, to be on the lookout. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.